Hey everybody, it's Anna J. Wallner. Welcome to the Author Library. And today I am pleased to have with me author Marie Powell. Marie, would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, sure, Anna. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm an author of uh, fantasy, mostly, and uh, speculative fiction. And I also have written um, 40 children's books that have been published by, you know, traditional publishers like Amicus and uh, Scholastic Education, that type of thing. And this is my, what I'm doing this year, and the reason I'm here is that I've just published a young adult novel series, um, Last of the Gifted. And um, so I'm anxious to talk about it and I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you so much for, for coming on here to chat with me. As Marie said, she is the young adult historical fantasy author of The Last of the Gifted series. And can I just say that the covers are gorgeous? Yes, uh, you may. <laughs> I'm really, really proud of them. Like my publisher is a small publisher from Mossbank, Saskatchewan. And I, I live in Regina, Saskatchewan, which is Treaty 4 territory here. And um, so we were able to reach out to a very, very talented young man in the United Kingdom, Callum Jagger. And um, it, I'm just so pleased with what he's done with the concepts of the book. Like it's, as you said, it's historical um, fantasy. It's, it's actually medieval fantasy. So a little different. It's set in 13th century Wales. And um, it's about, well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it and how the covers came about. So it's about two siblings who pledge their magical abilities to protect their people from the invading English army in 13th, in 13th century Wales. And they get a little help from the last true Prince of Wales after his murder. So um, my, my, my character, like the character of Llewellyn the last, who is the last, the last true Prince of Wales considered to be, is um, basically a Welsh Lord. And this comes from a, um, like a sigil, I guess, a, a a symbol of the various people that they used to wear on their costumes and in their flags and so on. And this one comes from Gwynedd, which is the province that this takes place in, the, the location in Wales, where he was sort of reduced to ruling just that one area. And then the English invaded and took that as well. And that pretty much ended the independence of Wales. And um, so when we were looking at what to do, it's called Spirit Sight. And my characters are gifted. They have, uh, you know, fantasy gifts. So Hugh is a warrior in training, and he's also got a special ability to bond with and control the minds of animals and, uh, and birds. And um, when the prince is murdered, brutally murdered, Hugh sees it and he's, his spirit, Hugh's spirit melds with the prince's. And at that point he gets the prince inside his own head, the, the soul of the prince, if you will, is living, living on inside his head. And he gets help or guidance in how to survive this war and how to try and help his people survive, you know, the, the invasion as they lose, 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 and lose and get backed up into a final corner. And um, yeah, so, so the idea of sight, so we wanted something that was like an eye, kind of reminiscent of an eye, right? Hi. But at the same time that would have some symbols of whales. And this is the symbol of Gwyneth. Um, so our, our designer kind of, and these are Celtic knots, right? So he kind of melded it all together and created these beautiful symbols. So this is the one for Spirit Sight. And then Water Sight, which is book two of the series, um, carries on with his sister, 
And she has developed the ability, she's, she can see the future in a drop of water. I mean, she's got that gift of second sight, but she also develops the ability to throw knives. You know, they're, they're trying to teach each other how to protect um, themselves, you know, like how to fight back, so to speak, right? And so she goes beyond traditional, what, beyond what's allowed for a lady, you know, or a, a traditional woman in that day. Um, and uh, so she develops the ability to throw these knives. Yeah. And that's, and her boyfriend, her betrothed, you know, like the guy she's supposed to marry, um, has these three knives created for her. And they have the same um, colored stone as her eye. He matches it to her eyes, right? So, I mean, just a kind of romantic gesture. And so that's what her eye is green, right? His eyes are blue gray. And so that's the color scheme that that he used. And also just the fact that Callum was able to use the mountains at the bottom here, if you can see them, these are the mountains that are kind of behind me. Um, this is Cadiridris, which is one of the famous mountains of Wales that has magical or magical properties to it, I guess you could say. And it's also the castle, if this is the ruin of the castle um, that my character in fantasy total fantasy not in real life but in total fantasy would have been the lady of had she married the fellow she was in who created the knives for her so yeah the story of the book is all wrapped up in the in the covers and he did such a good job you know just with what we gave him um not having read the books because he created the covers prior to the books even being published right so right. yeah we really i was really really pleased with what he did and how well he understood what we were trying to do well, they are absolutely gorgeous and a strong female lead. I, I really do appreciate that, especially in a horse, in a historical uh, setting, because, you know, as we know, um, that wasn't always the case. Yeah, uh, this, you know, that's one thing like right now, you know, maybe we understand how things can go more than we, we did when I first started writing this book too. Like they're in a, a period of transition, like huge transition, their whole world changes, right? In this base, the space of about a year and a half. Um, and there is like, there are poems from that time period that, that I kind of used, you know, in the research, I was thinking about it. And like, they talk about the stars falling from the sky and, you know, what is underneath comes up and what is, up, you know, like the people who were, considered to be noblemen or suddenly paupers and the people who were servants are suddenly you know raised to positions of power because they betrayed them you know and like it was like like it's just a horrific change uh, and going from a very rural lifestyle really to um the english you know at that time had cities and whatnot walled cities and this and that and all of that came in upon the welsh because they were used to a much more open lifestyle you know rural and they had they had a prince but he kind of the word prince in Welsh doesn't mean royal, it means principal citizen. So he was like the best guy, you know, again, <laughs> the one who's supposed to look after them and so on. And he, he was very itinerant. He would move from, uh, he had 22 possible places where he could go. They called them chlis, which means a royal court, I guess you could say. But these would be really tiny from our perspective. It would be like, like some small town out in the country somewhere, you know, and he'd move from one to the other to the other and they would, um, you know, put him up and he probably took taxes off of them or cattle or something, but, you know, and then uh, he would move on. And um, all of that was destroyed. Like they literally, even now, um, they can only find one of the 22 police. They're gone. And, you know, they're, they're, the castle Garth Kellen, where he was, 
which I put in my book, is no more. Nobody can really figure out where it was. It's completely, it could be here, it could be there, you know, there's, <laughs> but there really isn't. Like they, they did a very good job of erasing their entire way of life, right? And deliberately, you know, it was an intentional thing. And so now we've been through something now in this last couple of years with COVID where everything has changed for us, you know? And so it's been kind of interesting writing these books in this time period and bringing them out because I've obviously been written, writing them for a long time, but bringing them out now and, ha- and infusing that into the rewriting and the, you know, preparing to publish them. Because um, I have a real perspective on that now that I didn't have before, um, just in terms of what happens to you when the, the world changes. So then yeah. I was able to give Kat that in her book, Catherine, um, my female character, I was able to give her um, an extreme response to change, you know, a, a chance to really grow. And, and um, you know, it worked out, <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> and the amount of, of um, research historically that you sound like you've done for the book lends a, an element of um, intelligence to the writing and to the storyline itself because it is based on actual history, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah, thank you. Because it, I mean, it's different, right? Fantasy writers, we can write about fantasy worlds, you know, completely invented worlds, right? But the more I found out about this, the more I knew I wanted to set this with these characters who had these abilities, but you know, because they're legendary abilities, and I wanted to use that ones that would be real um, in the stories of that time period, right? Something that might be um, believable to them, in a way. And at the same time, um, use the, the real life that they were trying to live through, because I felt like we didn't, well, for me, I didn't know much about it. And I'm, my background is Welsh, my grandfather was Welsh, right? So that was why I started looking into all of this. And I actually went, so I, you know, I did the usual, I was going to be a travel writer, right? And that's like, I'm a journalist by, by nature or by, by former profession, I guess you could say, I'm, I'm a journalist. So I was thinking about doing this as travel writing and I planned a trip to Wales and we went to see these castles and blah, blah, you know. And then I, I went into one that was a castle of the Welsh princes and I didn't even know there was such a thing. I was like, you know, castle's a castle, right? You know, whatever. The, you know, big people with lots of money owned them. Right? That's all I knew about them, really. Other than the fact that I'd read a few, you know, read some books and whatnot. And um, when I walked into this one, and um, it was so different from the big English castles. And there, were, there was kind of historical placards that you could go around. It was very self-guided. There wasn't anybody around but us. You know, so there wasn't any cute little shops or all the things you find in the castles, the bigger ones, you know, there wasn't any of that. And um, so we wandered around pretty much at will and read these (laughs) placards with the histories on them. And just just being struck by, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I I didn't know that. Oh, isn't that interesting? You know, and, and I just had to use more. I had to find out more and I had to use what I could find out. And everything I found out was weird and interesting and something I could play with, right? Um, which, is, which is a great thing that, that we're able to do as authors is, is take something that seems, you know, normal or, or not so normal or whatever, and then take our own completely different spin on it if it is normal. And then if it's uh, something truly unique, like what you found, then take it to the next level. So, uh, 
that that had to have been amazing. Now, the first book in the series, Spirit Sight, um, which begins the 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 series, this novel has won multiple awards. Uh, both of them have actually. Well, yeah, um, Spirit Sight won a Moonbeam Bronze Medal for um, Young Adult Fiction. So I was really happy to, to get that because that's kind of nice recognition. And they've both, um, they've both been doing quite well in terms of best-selling status. Uh, like Spirit Sight's been a bestseller in Arthurian, Arthurian fantasy, which I love because, I mean, there's, Arthur, there's some references to Arthur in it. You know, like we have Arthur's Crown. That's one of the Welsh relics, actually, that really did exist. Um, uh, or I mean, we, well, right. it's it's written about. <laughs> we can right. hope it existed right, 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 and right. prove it. But and um, so it was it was really nice to hit the, the sort of top bestseller status and not get the little flag. And um, I did put Watersight into a cover contest, and it got in the top fifteen of like three hundred eighty four covers. So I was really pleased to see that because um, you beautiful. know, yeah, that's good recognition for it. Yeah, so now, so far so good. Is this a duology or will there be more in the series? Well, I, I got to the end of it and I still wanted to write about this time period and these characters. But um, I think, you know, like talking about it with my writer friends and people, you know, here and there in the past six months as I've been working on the next book in this. And I think I'm going to do it as um, as a duology, like have it be the two books. And because they, they have a nice arc, you know, they go somewhere and they and they sort of feel to people reading them I understand from people reading them getting giving me feedback that they do have a kind of a feeling of closure between the two of them so I would like to not disturb that you know uh, I don't believe in sequels just for the sake of sequels right <laughs> that can ruin something but I do still want to write about the characters so I think what I'm going to do is is bring out um, a kind of a spin-off series and deal with some of the aftermath of this you know huge catastrophic event that happened to them because i i want to do that now that we're coming to the end of covid i'm kind of you know i would really like to imagine i guess write and imagine how you get through something what do you do in the other end of this like how is the world going to look next you know now that we've been through this and we know it's changed everything you know, we know right. it's going to change everything um we're not going to go back to the normal we had in like 2019 or something you know like so and that same would be for them like in 1281 they would have had a certain way they, they had a princess everything was great they were you know managing quite well and then in um in 1282 and she died and they went to war and they lost everything and by 12 by the october of 1283 it was completely different so very similar time period, and I can't resist it. You know, I just want, I want to play with that and, and find out how, how they live through it. And as I write them through it, maybe I'll come up with some ideas for me too. That's my hope anyway. <laughs> it is so hard to write a series and then become attached to the characters and let them go. So yeah, knowing, really that, knowing that, that you've, you've, you've really wrapped it up within the two books and having the, the, the knowledge to step away, that's... Wow, uh, that's hard. It's it's hard. Yeah, that. it is. And and I still like I still think there's a story here that isn't finished. You know, like there's still some loose ends and things that I I can I really want to deal with. I want to finish. I want to pull forward. You know, right. But I but I can see them as 
as not events that relate to the invasion, which the two books kind of tell, but it, events that relate to how they got through it and what they did next. And that's kind of what I want to do with the next books that I, I, I think it's three books. Um, you know, I want to tell how they got, like, how did that all come out in the end? And how did they get going again? You know, because the fascinating thing about the Welsh is that even though they lost everything and, um, you know, just became a, a part of England, you know, completely lost their independence and, and their language, their ability to use, or at least legally use their language without getting some kind of punishment for it. Um, and then in the 1990s, they got the right to use their language again, and boom, it came right back the way that they spoke it in the 1200s, apparently, you know, like, so it hadn't changed. And they, so like, they'd kept it alive in, I don't know, little huts in the mountains or something. I don't know how they kept it alive, because still, you know, about 16% of the people spoke it, and now about 20% of the people speak it. And now to live in Wales, your kids would be going to school in Welsh you would be working, you'd have to be able to speak Welsh to get a job and so on and so forth, right? So, and there's Welsh all over the place. There's Welsh and the signs, the, the signs and the highways even, you know, like the big words are Welsh and the little words are English. <laughs> so so you'd, you would have to learn it, you know, or, or at least learn enough of it to get by in order to live there today. So how, you know, obviously they had, a, they had, something happened. You know what I mean? They were able to keep some kind of integrity, some kind of customs, some of their customs and some of their, um, what made them unique as a Celtic people. You know, they were able to keep a hold of some of that because they still have it 800 years later, they were able to bring it back again. Right. So that's fascinating too. And I, that's why I want to write the next series. Right. So. Absolutely. Well, you, um, I, I just have to ask um, when, you know, when did uh, when did you realize that you had a passion for writing? I mean, you said that you have uh, written forty uh, <laughs> children's books, and 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 you mentioned being a travel journalist. I mean, I, is writing fantasy where your heart is? Um, yeah, yeah, it always has been. You know, like um, I I tell you, the first book I ever wrote was I was six years old. And I was being babysat by a neighbor and I, I wrote a book. It was like emergent writing I'm telling you, and lots of very bad stick pictures, you know, and I, we stapled it together and she, um, she let me read it to her. And it was, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, I still remember that um, now that she's long gone, but thank you, Eva. <laughs> anyway, you know, but these things, like I've been basically writing, you know, for since I was able to write and maybe beyond, maybe before that even, right? But uh, when I was a teenager, what I wanted to write was fantasy, you know, and I, I was lucky. I had very, um, very supportive teachers, you know, that, um, that found me ways to get writing workshops and things like that that existed back then. And, um, and I guess because I, um, I'm a scholarship student type, you know, like I have a lot of university, I have five university degrees, but I got them pretty much, that. yeah, yeah, pretty much all on scholarship. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm basic middle class, you know, lower middle class family. Like nobody in my family has a university degree, but me, <laughs> um, in my first family anyway, uh, some of the nieces and nephews do, but, um, but you know, and my daughter does, but, um, but basically it was just kind of not, it, it, you should work, you should work, right, for a living. That's what I was raised to believe. And so becoming a journalist was writing for work, you know, and um, a way to write and at the same time have a job, right? And so that's how it, it became. And um, 
I began to freelance after I had my kids because being a newspaper reporter is not, uh, I don't, people do it and have families now and that's great. But, you know, when I was doing it, it was kind of like you were expected to be there, you know, right. and all that. And I felt like I should um, raise my kids instead. So basically I went freelance at that point and started taking, I started getting back to writing, writing, you know, like writing short stories and things like that, taking workshops and doing, you know, uh, what I could to become a different kind of writer. And um, yeah, and this, so I got this idea for this book. And then I went back and got my final, my MFA in creative writing from UBC to write these books. You know, really, it was like, I had this idea, I knew I wasn't good enough. You know, I wasn't a good enough writer at the time to be able to really pull this off the way I wanted to, I wanted it to be you know, it's my heart project, right? I wanted it to be really, really strong. And so I went back and got my final degree with this as my thesis project and um, still continued. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah. I just, um, I believe in in just following what you really are passionate about, you know? And like, there's so many different types of writing. I can't imagine not doing something, like, like saying no to something. I, I'd like to write everything. I'd like to write everything, you know? But basically, my heart's with fantasy, yeah, I think. <laughs> Speculative fiction, anyway. Suspense, fantasy, that type of thing. Got it? Yeah. Well, as a seasoned literary creator across mm -hmm. the board, mm -hmm. uh, do you have any valuable advice that you would like to pass along? Something that you wish you knew in the very beginning of your journey? Sure, Yeah. I would say really, really, really don't take it personally, you know, like whatever, just take whatever feedback you can get. And remember that, you know, people have their own personal tastes, right? Just because they don't like what you're doing doesn't mean it isn't good. Or just because they um, criticize it doesn't mean it isn't good. Sometimes people will give you a critique. And if you can get past the hurt, <laughs> you know, and, and like it, it hurts, you know, to especially my very first short story um, one of the very first short stories that I that I wrote and the very first one I had published sat in a box in my basement for 10 years because at a workshop somebody said um, well this isn't really a short story it's a character sketch you know and I went oh what's a oh, and like nine other people gave me feedback and said you know this is good you should do this you should do this right but one person said something that that was kind of like this is not a short story and I just that was the voice that I heard right yeah. don't do that don't let people convince you that of what you're doing you know what you're doing in your heart you just have to get the skill to make it happen you know and that's why it feedback is useful but people don't know what it is you're trying to write if you're if you're writing something that's a little bit different it's going to get it's going to get critique it's going to get that sort of vaguely negative i don't know what this is don't like it whatever right. feedback but just right. push through it you know like learn what you can push through it keep keep re, keep um improving your craft and eventually you'll be able to tell it so that they can't say no you know but you really have to believe in yourself in this business because it is not easy you know it's fun and it's great and you can't stop doing it if you write you're no, right you right that's what you are but but it's not easy to get the publication it's not easy to get stuff out there and be in this very competitive world we have right now of you know so many books that people could read right um right. 
you really have to know what you are doing and who you're doing it for. If you can find people that you're, that are responding to you, that's where you want to go. But that's what I'd say. Just believe in, you know, just do it anyway. Right. Don't stop. Yeah. Don't, don't get, don't get derailed. Just keep going. And eventually it will work out. And you made a really great point earlier. You know, we all have different tastes. Um, I'm not a big lover of political thrillers, but um, a lot of people are. Exactly. Um, legal, legal thrillers, you know, John Grisham makes a lot of money. A lot of people love his books, but they're just not for me. And in the same way that we all have different tastes in music and men and fashion and cars, you will have uh, different takes and different uh, likes on on a book that you read and but it if it doesn't particularly resonate with you I don't encourage negative hurtful uh, reviews maybe say this book was not for me but yeah. people who enjoyed this book or this book would like the book so there's a there's yeah. a way to say it wasn't for me but it is for someone else because it is good. That's correct. Yeah. You can give good feedback, you know, even if you didn't like the the piece that you're that you're reading or whatever, you know. And at the same time, like you say, it's just, we should just recognize that that, you know, negative right. feedback is hurtful, but at the same time it can be useful, you know. So yeah. I always tell people, you know, um I did a, a little series on this and uh, you know think of your review thank you number one readers for leaving yes. a review yes uh, number two uh, think of it like a um, an employee review that uh, you're critiquing uh, the positives and the negatives that the author has in the book and quite honestly I have seen some reviews that point out things that I would say as an author, if I got a review like that, I would say, I didn't think of that. Yeah. I yeah, will. I Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. Um, I will make a, a note to incorporate that moving forward, moving forward. That's exactly right. You know, take, take what you can out of it and move forward and, you know, just keep moving forward. And that's the other thing too. You can read a book by an author and not like it. And then you can read another book by that author and love it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's partly, it, I don't know. It's just, you, you just have to find your comfort level. It's, right. It is, yeah. it is so subjective. Um, yeah. and, and so I do not, I mean, yes, of course I read the comments and yes. Um, if one is particularly barbed and hurtful, it may get to me, but at the end of the day, I know that there are books out there that I've absolutely hated. Um, and so readers have every right to love them. To <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hate it. Somebody else might love it. It's like we all have taste, right? And, yeah. and, and, and the best books out there, the best books, even classics and uh, best selling authors, you know, USA Today, New York Times best selling authors. You will see reviews that are pretty 50-50. People either hate it or they love it. Yeah. So um, guys, no one is immune to, That's right. uh, to that. 
No one's immune to negative criticism. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. No, don't let it get you down. Don't let it get you down. Absolutely. Well, that same short story that that I stuck in a box for 10 years, um, I saw a submission call from a woman that I know, you know, uh, I, I don't know her personally, but I knew her writing and I, she was a Saskatchewan writer and a Order of Canada writer, Berna Barclay. And she had a call out to, um, that she would give feedback to every submission, which, and she got like a couple of hundred submissions. So it was a, a major thing to offer. But um, I sent this story to her thinking to myself, well, if anyone could tell me how to write this as a story and not a character sketch, it'll be Berna, right? And I sent this into her for this little magazine that she was doing, literary magazine. And she sent me back a letter a few weeks later saying, I love your short story and I want to publish it. So it pretty much... It was pretty much published. I mean, there were a few changes. We did a little editing, but it was pretty much the way it had, I had written it 10 years earlier. So there's the lesson, you know, just believe that, that your time will come or whatever, you know, and keep working on it. Keep working on your skill and keep working on your, um, you know, your, I don't, I don't think you have to be tough, but you just have to realize that, that you're going to get better and believe that, you know? Yeah. believe it will happen and it will happen right (laughs) fantastic advice all the way around and guys make sure that you check out uh, marie's books they are gorgeous and i mean i (laughs) you'll see the covers at the end of the video too and just uh, you're on amazon and where else? Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. everywhere. Everywhere books are sold. If um, if you're looking for book links, I do have them on my website too, which is mariepowell.ca. Easy to remember. I'm the Canadian, so .ca, right? mariepowell.ca. Um, and uh, I've got a whole page of book links on there, but it's basically available everywhere. Amazon, Kobo, uh, Barnes & Noble, you know, chapters, you name it, and it's there. Guys, definitely go check out the series. And Marie, thank you again so much for taking the time out of your day to sit down and chat with me. I had a fantastic time. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me on. It's been fun. All right, guys, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss out on more great things that are coming up. And uh, everybody just stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. Bye.